Good morning, everyone. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 John. 1 John chapter 4. We're going to be looking at a passage this morning on uh, love. I didn't get like a huge response from that. Uh, That's okay. I understand. Amen. We need love. Um, In the 1930s, um, Hitler rose to power uh, in Germany. And in his biography on Bonhoeffer, Eric Metaxas talks about how Hitler knew that he needed to um, get the German Christians behind him in order to solidify his power. He had political power, but there was a certain uh, aspect that if the country's Lutheran church didn't follow, and it was a state church, uh, it was closely attached to the political mechanism of the state, if he didn't get the German Christian, German Lutheran church behind him, he would never be able to seize power to the level that he wanted. And so he would verbally and uh, politically and uh, in public talk about how much he admired Jesus and how he was a follower of Jesus. But in fact, Hitler found Jesus repulsive. Hitler felt like, and in private would tell his cohorts, that that for a man to willingly die was anti-German. And that it went against everything that he stood for. So in public, in order to look a certain way, and in order to get people to follow and to do what he wanted, he looked one way. And, and many of the Christians, the, the German Lutheran church, actually followed. There are very few who stood up against and said, this, is, this guy is not right. One of them was Bonhoeffer and some who, who created a, another church, so to speak. They split away from the state church, state Lutheran church, and, and began another um, believing church, confessing church, they called it. Uh, and eventually, as you know, Bonhoeffer was imprisoned and put to death uh, because of his stance against Hitler. Um, now, I'm not saying we're Hitler. Don't get me wrong. But many of us say one thing, but in our hearts believe another. We present a public persona that looks like something, and then, but in private, we struggle, we, we, we talk, we... we and you may say, look, Pastor Bart, I'm really not that bad. Can anyone say dating and engagement? You're not laughing, but you present something when you're dating, right? You present a public deal, like to the person you're dating. You, you're all smiles, you're, you're happy, your life is good. And I can't tell you how many couples that I've dealt with and counseled with and said, you know, when we were dating, everything was great. I mean, she dressed up. She put on makeup, she combed her hair, then we got married, and she wears that same sweatsuit every day. Or she'll say, you know, he was so nice to me. He opened the door for me. He talked nice to me. What happened to that guy? Well, that guy was there all along. You just didn't know it, because they were presenting a certain appearance versus a reality. Yesterday, Dave and I ran... We were at um, 
We're at Starbucks, and I uh, know it's not Starbucks. Oh, Henry's. I want to give credit to the right coffee shop, right? Because uh, they're paying me tons of money to to, to uh, advertise for them. Anyway, we're at O. Henry's after we're running, and I got my coffee. I went to the counter uh, to get some cream in my coffee, and then there was this young lady there, um, and, and she looked a little bit like this. And now, my daughters have a term for this. Uh, it's three letters. Uh, for those of you who understand what this face is, you know what the term I'm talking about. Uh, they'll throw this term around my house all the time. And uh, that's kind of the way she looked, and I said, excuse me, and she... Step to the side and put my cream and my coffee. Dave and I went and sat down. She sat actually at the table just across from us, and so I was watching. This young man comes in, who she was obviously waiting on, and her face went from that to that. <laughs> and the entire time she's talking to this guy, that's the way she looked. Smiling, happy, you know, I'm like, dude, you should have seen her at the coffee at the cream bar just a minute ago. If you want to know what she really, I even said to Dave, that is not the same girl I just talked to. Now, I understand the creepy factor with me uh, asking her to move aside may have been involved, uh, you know, just to get to the, I just wanted the cream. Too many times, we in life, we present one thing, but we actually, in our hearts, are another. Now, when it comes to love, we understand that we are called to be a people of love. But in fact, if our hearts were just ripped open and somebody looked inside, what we're presenting as love and what we're actually, we're, the, we're fake lovers, so to speak, versus real love that God has called us to be. This whole series is based on this passage, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. God has given you this unbelievable gift, which is his son, Jesus, right? And it says, for God so loved the world that he gave. God's love is sacrificial. God's love to you is immeasurable. And he's calling us to be a people who in turn then love. So this morning, I want to look at this passage from 1 John, talk about love. We're going to do it in two parts, actually. We're going to look at part of 1 John this week, another passage from 1 John last week, uh, next week, last week, next week uh, on love. And I also preached on love back in December, so all three kind of go together. There'll be a little bit of repetition, but I don't know about you, but I need a reminder to love well really every day. Uh, I, it's not something that, like, I need once a year. I mean, I need a consistent reminder that God has called me to be a person of love. So let's look at this passage from 1 John. The first point is this. We were created for love. We were created for love. John says in 1 John 4, 7, and 8, Dear friends, let us love one another for where does love come from? Love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Who do, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. It's been said that love doesn't define God, but God defines love. Why? Because God is this. 
He, he, he's just not, love is not a characteristic of God. God is love. So any love that we have on this earth, it stems from him. It comes from him. Because God is, in fact, love. We, think about this, we as human beings were created in his image. Whatever that entails. Imago Dei, the image of God. We're created in his image. If God is love, that's who he is, then inherently in each and every one of us, we have to be in some way created. We got to be a people of love. I mean, think back on the creation account. Um, God creates everything. He creates man. And then he says, it's not, it's not good for man to be alone. I'm going to create a helper for him, a woman. Creates woman. She's paraded out. Man is overwhelmed. He says, this is for me. He recognizes, you did this for me, kind of thing. And immediately, a, a love connection. He picks a rose, he gives it to her. No, I'm just kidding. For, the, for those of you from the Bachelor Nation, you would get that. But um, he, It says in Genesis, after all the commentary, it says, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and they will become one flesh. I find this a fascinating passage in that there's a commentary here. First of all, there is no father and mother to leave in this case. There's just Adam and Eve. But there's this projection that for this reason, what what reason? What reason is going to drive a person to leave the comfort, the food, the security of home, it's going to be love. I, I mean, I think it's the created order, but I think there's an aspect of without love, there's no way. And, and you know, the, the love of a father and a mother for a child, it's pretty high in most of our cases. Some more than others, depending on your children. But it's pretty high. There is a love factor that we have for our children. So the love that a man has for a woman has to be greater than in order for, for this reason to occur. But then we see the problem. Man falls. Sin enters the world. Love gets corrupted. John Wesley says that sin entered the world and the song of perfection now groaned under the weight of the fall. Our issue is not that God didn't create love. He created love and we were in the... Man was in the garden and had the experience of what does it mean to, to love uncorrupted. We, on the other hand, have no such experience. Every one of us has entered into a love relationship that is in some sense corrupted because of sin. And even if we're redeemed, and even, even if we act the best that we can possibly act, it is still not the perfection of love that God created. Yay. So, therefore, marriage is hard. I could get an amen, but I know your wife is sitting right next to you, your husband. Marriage is challenging because you are corrupted and so is your spouse. And as a result, all of our relationships, in some sense, are corrupted when it comes to love. And 
I, I invariably sit with young couples who are in premarital counseling, and um, the idealism factor is really, really, really high in premarital counseling. You know, like, it's like, oh, this is, I just can't wait. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be the best thing ever. We're never going to have any problems, and it's just going to be awesome when we get married. Yes, there are a couple of things um, I'm not real fond of about him, but when we get married, I'll change those, and he'll be just perfect. And I just want to say, and I do always say, sorry. Nothing, nothing like that. Nothing you've just described is going to happen. <laughs> it's just not going to be like that. But for this reason, a man's going to leave his father and mother, and the two will be united. One of, um, I think, one of the best books, and if you've never read it, you should. It's called Redeemer's, uh, Instruments in the Redeemer's Hand by Paul David Tripp. He talks about how sin altered every thought, desire, word, and deed. It created a world of double-mindedness and mixed motives, self-worship and self-absorption. People desired to be served, but they hated serving. Hello? Is that not the truth? Look, I, I confess, I love to be served. Don't you? I mean, I, you know, life in a recliner, is, it is a wonderful world. My wife calls it the vortex of death. I just sit there and it's like, bring, you know, you have something about that chair it's just impossible to get out of. He goes on and says, they craved control and nurtured delusions of self-sufficiency. They forgot their creator but worshiped the creation. Rather than loving people and using things to express it, people loved things and used people to get them. I use this quote a lot because it speaks to me. It speaks to all of our hearts that now we've changed from loving to serve to loving to be served. Rather than loving people and using things to love people, we, we, we manipulate people in order to get things. That is the corruption of love in our lives. But we have to come back to the place that we were created. We were created for love. God created us in a relationship. I mean, the, the, why did he create man in the first place? I mean, think about it. He knew going in that Adam and Eve were going to fall. I mean, Jesus is the lamb who was slain when? Before the foundations of the earth. I mean, I don't, you know, I, I'm not God and I don't pretend to be God, but I would have stepped back and said, you know what? The dividend on this investment is not going to be very good. As a matter of fact, it's going to cost me my most precious gift, my only son. And yet God values relationship with us that highly. From the very start, going in, knowing the problem that sin was going to happen and occur and that it was going to cost him the death of his only son, he's still engaged in the process. You were created for love. Now, part of the problem, and I won't dwell here too long, but because of sin in the world, not only is our relationship with others damaged, not only is our relationship with God damaged, that's why we need Jesus as the one who forgives our sins and, and leads us into life, but because of sin, our relationship 
for which we were created as now there's a gap between us and God because of sin. So God sends his son as the payment for that sin so that we can then have a relationship with him, right? That is, that is the nature of our Christian faith. Not only all of those things, but your own love relationship with yourself has been damaged. You, many of us, don't even think we're worthy to be loved. Because of sin that has occurred all around us. Things that have been done to us. Abuse that has happened in our lives. Just any number of issues in us and on us and around us. We come to this place, and even if we are followers of Jesus Christ, many of us come to this place saying, Yes, God is love. Yes, I was created for love, but I'm not really worthy of it. Every single person in here is a person that Jesus died for. You, were, you are, were, and will be worthy because of what he's done. And that leads me to the, my second point, which is this. You were redeemed by love. You were created for love. Love has been corrupted, corrupted but you have been redeemed by the love of God. 1 John 4, 9 and 10 says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is the message. This is the good news. This is the gospel that God loves us. You see, many of us, we think, yeah, I'm in this relationship with God because I love him. No, not really. That's how bad you are. That's how bad we all are. It's not, we're not in this relationship because we love God. We're in this relationship because God loved us. Enough to send his one and only son to die for each and every one of us. God created us for love. Love enters the world. We are corrupted by sin. It's like the story. I, 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 the, the, whole, the whole coronavirus thing is just kind of taking over right now. You know, we don't even know. When you, come, when you come in contact with something deadly, with something that might catch us, and then fear enters us, and then we're like overwhelmed. I read this story once about, uh, and it was years ago, and I can't remember, I tried to find the details this week, I can't remember the exact nature of it, but some guys broke into a hospital, they, they stole some radioactive material, because, um, you know, thieves are brilliant, and um, they just were stealing stuff out of the hospital, and they happened to steal something, and the person at the hospital says, listen, they just need to know if it's in their presence, it's killing them. They may not feel it but they, it's killing them. There's an HBO special. Um, I'm not recommending HBO by any means. But there was a, a, a series they just recently did called Chernobyl on the Chernobyl nuclear accident and the effects of radiation. I mean, just the people who are infected, if they got around other people who are infected with radiation, they died. I mean, they were sickened too, lost babies. I mean, the, it, it, it. listen, you are corrupted by sin. And it's killing you, and you don't even know it. But God loves you so much that he sent his son to deliver you from this corruption in your life so that you could be made, made well. God demonstrates his love for us in this. 
Okay, what is the demonstration of the love of God? While we were still sinners, while we were still at war, while we were still enemies of his, he sent his son to die for us. He loves each and every one of us that much. It's been said, and one definition is this, love is giving yourself to meet the actual needs of others, expecting nothing in return, and doing it without regard to cost. I can't remember where I got this quote years ago, but I, I've just hung up. I tried to find it again. I'm going to start claiming it for my own because I can't if, you can't. if you Google something and you can't find it, then you made it up, right? <laughs> I don't know where I got it, but I can't find it. So, but I, I, I like this because for many of us, if, if you're God, and just pretend for a moment, you're God and you looked at any one of us and said, hey, what do you need? I mean, we would come up with a list. Oh, okay. It's kind of like the genie in the bottle. I get my three wishes. I get to ask for what I need, right? And you have a picture of what you need. Now, here's the sad thing about it. You don't really know what you need, right? I mean, you think you need wealth. You think you need health. You think you need a job. I understand you need all of those things in a sense, but God looks into your life and he says, what is the actual need? What is their greatest need? And his love is so overwhelming that he, he says, I'm going to meet the need that they don't even know they have. And I'm going to do it without regard to cost. I'm going to give my son, my only son, God in the flesh, God incarnate, is going to come to this earth, live a perfect, sinless life, go to the cross, die for their sins, in order that love can be restored. Love with me. And they're not going to love me like they should ever, really. So even if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you want to say, I love God fully, yeah, sorry, I, I'm not buying it. Why? Because we still live in this between the times, this pull, this tension the only way we can even do that is by the power of the Spirit who indwells us. But God loves you so much that he gave his son to die for you. You're redeemed by love. What are we to do then? We're to respond in love. We're to respond in love. You probably knew I was going to get to this, right? That, oh, okay, now i got to love some people. Yeah. Well, yeah, you do. You're supposed to respond. If you're created for it and you're redeemed by it, then it should flow through you. Dear friends, verses 11 and 12. Dear friends, since God so loved us, what, do we, what should we do? Yeah, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and the, his love is made complete in us. John goes on and says, listen, you say you love God whom you've not seen, but you don't love the people around you. You're a liar. The truth is not in you. I'm not quite as bold as John. I mean, really. Hey, you say this and you say this. Nah, you're a liar. I mean, he just calls him out, doesn't he? The, the fact is this. The only response to a created, redeemed people is to respond in love. Jesus is asked, hey, teacher, what are the greatest commandments? What's the, what is the, of all the commands, and by the way, we think of the ten commandments, but, you know, 
they had expanded to like 600 and something laws. I mean, it, it, there are lots of do's and don'ts in the Jewish faith at the time. So they're like, hey, if I can only do one or two, what are they? You know, we're like that too. I'm not going to get to like number 572. I'm never going to get down that far. I know I won't follow that uh, whole ox in the ditch thing. So I'm going to just give me the number one and two so I can follow those. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Well, that about covers it. Love him with everything that you are. All of you. Love God. And then he throws this kicker in there. This is the first and greatest command. And the second is like to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love God. Love people. We say it over and over and over and over again. And I, you know why we repeat it? So maybe I'll get it. So it's, I'm, not, I'm hoping for you, but I'm really hoping for me too. Why? Because, can I be honest? It, it's hard to love people well. I can't help it. I try to help it. I try not to be me. I try not to be quite so cynical. I try not to be judgmental. I try not to find you funny. But it... it we, it's like that, is it not? Every person we see, our first response is, I should really just love them. But instead, we're like, hey, wow, they are dressed so funny today. There, there that is, I, so, I guess they thought that looked good before they came out today. <laughs> we start thinking, oh, come on, you do some things like that as well. You're like, I can't believe he said that. Look at him wearing that funny vest, and he thinks I look funny. You know, it's kind of like that. We're just a judgmental people, many of us. And some of us, we, we hide it in some Christian terms, but we, we find it hard to respond in love. Here's some points. Our love for others, it, it's not dependent on our personality. So I've at times said, you know, I could love people, but that's just not the way I'm built. I want to say, you know, I understand your point, but that's why you need Jesus. That's why you need to be redeemed. Jesus supersedes your personality. I mean, he changes even what personal things are at work within you. I mean, you know me well enough by now. I think everything's funny. I mean, really, almost everything to me, can be turned into humor. Not everybody finds that same thing funny like I do. You know, personally, my wit is a little sarcastic. It's a little cutting. And I'm, I'm using little, little. Um, <clears throat> but God, he, he works in us so that when we see a person, we can love them well and not judge them, not speak curses over them, but to speak blessings over them. I'm still working on it. I'm 61 now, and I'm still working on this. I'm still asking God to, to go beyond the way that I was raised and my, the way I think and my personality in order that his redemptive process can work through me to touch other people in love. So don't look at yourself in the mirror and say, you know, I would love well, but that's just not the way I'm built. 
Yes, I understand. Sin has corrupted us all. And you are corrupted by sin. If you're going to depend on your personality as an excuse, I'm just going to say it. If you're going to depend on your personality as an excuse not to love well, i got to just tell you, it's because your personality has been corrupted by sin. You need the redemptive work of God to heal you and direct you. Our love for others is also not dependent on their lovability. Well, I would love them, but they're just not very lovable. They're a little like a porcupine. Every time I reach out to touch them, they just kind of stick me, you know? So how can I love that porcupine well? Well, I, you know what? Same way God loved you. It's sacrificial. You get the point now why we're on this sacrificial living? To love other people well, it's sacrificial. You're sacrificing certain things in order to love people well. And I, I, I kind of made this one sound fancy, but it's also not dependent on perceived reciprocity. What? In other words, too often we love people who we think are going to love us back. I perceive that I'll have a relationship with this person and they're going to love me back. I've used this phrase before. But too often, the people that you're friends with and you love or you hang out with are the people who are like you because you feel like you can get something back from them, even if it's a feeling of love or acceptance. We're, we're to love everybody, whether we ever receive anything back or not. I mean, I want us to look around this room. I want us to look outside and to the eyes of people who are wandering aimlessly through the world and say, God, give me a love for them that just goes beyond anything that's me. Show me how I can show your love to this world. Because you're going to go out from this place. And you know what God says about you? Hey, my hope for showing love to the world depends on you. Wow. I don't think I'm I don't think I can handle that. Cuz I don't really like people. How am I going to love them? You know? I mean, I I'd rather just be at the house by myself reading a book. How am I going to love people well? Well, I'm going to let the power of God work within me. I'm going to go beyond who I am. I'm going to go beyond my own personality. I'm going to go beyond my own emotional capacity. I'm going to go beyond what I think people can do for me to what I can do for people. I'm going to try and actually live a life like Jesus did, giving my life away to the world around me. And I'm going to attach myself to a bunch of people who are also trying to do that same thing so that when we come together We'll so love each other that the world will say, hey, those, people's must, those people must be followers of Jesus because they love each other well. And it doesn't make any sense the way they love each other. We read that passage, you know, in 1 Corinthians 13. Usually we read it at weddings, right? This whole love passage. I wish somebody would read like 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 at a wedding. You know, where Paul is like just hammering the church and saying, you people are so out of whack. 
You know, you, you're arguing over spiritual gifts. You're saying that you're more spiritual because you speak in tongues than the other people. And you're calling this whole tongues thing, you're probably calling it the, the tongues of angels. And you're saying, oh, we speak in the tongues of angels, so we're more spiritual than you. Uh, we're doing this, so we're more spiritual than you. And he, he's saying to them, basically, you have lost your love factor for each other. And, and it, then right in the middle of this discussion on worship, and by the way, this is directed to the church, not the world. He says to the church, look, people, love never fails. But where there are prophecies, what's going to happen? They're going to cease someday. I don't think that day is yet, by the way. But someday, when Jesus returns. Where there are tongues, they'll be stilled. Where there's knowledge, it will pass away. For now we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall be known fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, love. But the greatest of these is love. Paul throws into this discussion on worship that love is the greatest thing. Not tongues, not prophecy, not any spiritual gift, not anything we're experiencing now. But, but the love that we have for one another, it's going to last forever. It's going to overwhelm everything. Here's my application for us today. Let the love of God be released in your life. First is this. Know that you're loved. Know that you are loved. And know that you are worth loving. That God loved you so much that he sent his only son to die for you. You're worth loving. Know that you are now a part of his family. How much more? I don't know how much more he could love us than sending his own son. But he keeps saying this how much more thing about us now that we're part of the family. You know, I have to be honest. I love my kids. I love all of my kids. There are certain ones at times I've actually wanted to kill. In love, I wanted to kill them. But I didn't. <laughs> Why? Because they're, they're my family. I, I love them unconditionally, really. I mean, they, I don't think they could do anything to make me not love them. They're part of the family. What can you do to make God not love you? He loves you. And if you'll receive the truth that you're loved, it'll affect the way you love others. So let the love of God permeate your heart and life and touch you. And then open your eyes to see how much people around you need love. Reach out with the love of Jesus Christ. Try to go beyond your own selfishness because we've all got that. Let's just confess it. We all have selfishness in our heart. Try to move beyond that to show people around us how much they're loved. Just you know, look around the room. There's somebody here today who needs 
needs to know that they're loved. I mean, I'm telling you, there are people in this room who are dying for that human interaction that says you're loved. You don't know that you could change a person's life just by being kind to them, speaking a word of blessing to them, loving them well, even in this room. And how much more the world out there needs to know during this day and age that they are loved. Love them well. Love yourself, love the body, love the world, all through the love that comes from Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you this morning for your love for us. That, God, we are a people who are loved. Lord, we are so grateful today. God, I, I know that you created me for love. And, Lord, I, I, I know that sin has corrupted my love. But, God, you sent your own son to die for me. This is your demonstration of love that while I was still a sinner, you died for me. You loved me that well. And you love me that much. And God, I pray today that I would know and that, that your love factor for me would overcome the corruption of sin that has damaged the way I love people in this world. Lord, I pray that as a, I'll respond in ridiculous love for the world around me. God, I thank you. Lord, I pray that for all of us, that we will be your kingdom representatives showing the world around us your love in an extraordinary way, based not on our personality, not based on their lovability, not based on what we might get back, but based on the fact that Christ died for me. Lord, we thank you. May that truth reign in our hearts and lives today. In Jesus' name, amen.